Tonight we open up the Old Testament and turn to Psalm 119. Our scripture reading is verses 65 through 88. Psalm 119, verse 65. Thou hast dealt well with thy servant, O Lord, according unto thy word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I have believed thy commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. Their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in thy law. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. Thy hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn thy commandments. They that fear thee will be glad when they see me, because I have hoped in thy word. I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right, and that thou in faithfulness hast afflicted me. Let I pray thee thy merciful kindness be for my comfort, according to thy word unto thy servant. Let thy tender mercies come unto me, that I may live, for thy law is my delight. Let the proud be ashamed, for they dealt perversely with me without a cause, but I will meditate in thy precepts. Let those that fear thee turn unto me, and those that have known thy testimonies. Let my heart be sound in thy statutes, that I be not ashamed." My soul fainteth for thy salvation, but I hope in thy word. Mine eyes fail for thy word, saying, When wilt thou comfort me? For I am become like a bottle in the smoke. Yet do I not forget thy statutes. How many are the days of thy servant? When wilt thou execute judgment on them that persecute me? The proud have digged pits for me, which are not after thy law. All thy commandments are faithful. They persecute me wrongfully. Help thou me. They had almost consumed me upon earth, but I forsook not thy precepts. Quicken me after thy loving kindness, so shall I keep the testimony of thy mouth. This is the infallible and sacred scripture. May God bless it to our hearts. The text for the sermon is verse 83. For I am become like a bottle in the smoke, yet do I not forget thy statutes. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, is it not remarkable that the inner spiritual soul life of the believer cannot be extinguished? 
that the seed of regeneration cannot be corrupted and lost. That the principle of faith can never be destroyed. Remarkable, when you think about all of the deprivations and the sufferings and the losses and griefs that are endured by the saints on this earth, and when you think about all the assaults of the devil and the manifold temptations that he uses to assault the soul of the believer, and when you think about the great cost of faithfulness to Jehovah God and how it might mean your reputation and your possessions, and one day even the very life of the believer, when you think of all the suffering and oppression that is endured by the saints, it would seem that the destruction of the spiritual life of the soul is certain, yet throughout all the ages of the covenant, God safely holds our soul in life and steadfast makes our way. As Jesus said, whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. God preserves his people in their salvation and he keeps that life in the soul. And yet, the illustration of the text before us this evening indicates that sometimes the believer's inner spiritual soul life is greatly weakened and nearly extinguished so that he says, I am become like a bottle in the smoke. When the believer says, I am become like a bottle in the smoke, you know that his spiritual life is almost gone. We find these words in section Kaf of Psalm 119. Verses 81 through 88, in which the psalmist is giving expression to the intense suffering and sorrow of his life. He's suffering so badly that he concludes this section with verse 88, crying, Quicken me, I'm dying, O Lord, dying within. Quicken me after thy loving kindness. He did not lose his spiritual life, and that's plain from the fact he's still crying. God will never break the bruised reed, and God will never quench the smoking flax. And though the exercise of faith can be interrupted for a time, so that for a time the believer is not consciously trusting in God, yet that principle of faith can never be destroyed That inner spiritual soul life can never be destroyed. The psalmist did not lose his spiritual life, but he almost did. And he makes that very plain when he says, I am become like a bottle in the smoke. And so say some saints yet today, If this is not your condition tonight, then you ought to go home and give many thanks to the God of your salvation. And you ought also to remember our brothers and sisters for whom this is true and lift many prayers for them. Lord, my brother is like a bottle in the smoke. My sister is like a bottle in the smoke. Quicken him. Quicken her 
after thy loving kindness, like a bottle in the smoke. Let's take that as our theme tonight and consider, first of all, the suffering soul, second, the faithful remembrance, and third, the personal confession. The psalmist with his suffering soul likens himself unto a bottle in the smoke. He says in the text, for I am become like a bottle in the smoke. And he's employing a figure that was very well known to the Israelites and really to any of the eastern nomadic people of long ago. But you and I don't know what a bottle in the smoke is all about. We've never seen a bottle in the smoke. When I say bottle, you probably think perhaps of a cheap, clear, plastic, disposable water bottle or maybe a glass wine bottle or an amber-colored beer bottle or a clear plastic bottle for milk to feed an infant. But when the Israelite heard the word bottle, he thought of a goatskin a leather bag. If an Israelite wanted a bottle, he didn't go to the store to purchase a bottle. He went out into his field and he selected one of his goats. If he wanted a bigger bottle, a bigger goat. If he wanted a smaller bottle, a kid. And then he would take that goat and kill it, but be very, very careful not to do any damage to the body of the goat. After killing the goat, he would cut off its head, cut off all four legs, and cut off its tail. And then he would sew up five of the holes, four holes where the legs were and the one hole where the tail was, so that the only hole remaining is the big hole where the head was. He might leave the skin on, he might take it off, and then very carefully he would reach his hand into the goat through the opening where the head was, and he would take out everything that was inside, all all of the guts. Clean it all out very nicely. Now, he has a goat skin, basically a leather bag, and he could put in there some wine, or he could put in some water. And you can see if he was going on a journey on his donkey or on his camel, camel, it would be very easy to bring along some water in a goat skin, in a leather bag, versus taking a big, heavy clay pot or jar of water. And so, for example, the Gibeonites of old who came to deceive Joshua and Israel, they had their old wine bottles, those old bags. At least that's what they said. They were old and worn out. Bottle. Smoke. It was not uncommon for the Israelite to have some of these bottles hanging around the house on the inside, on the inside inside or on the outside, and neither was it uncommon for cooking purposes for the Israelite to make a little fire right on the ground in the house. And they didn't have any fireplace, chimney, modern ventilation system, and so with a little bit of cooking, it could get pretty smoky in the house or right outside the house, and there were hanging those bottles. A little bit of smoke was a good thing to tan the hide, make it strong, but too much smoke could do damage to the moist, strong leather bottle. It could dry it out, parch it, darken it, cause it to crack, 
and then it wouldn't be able to hold the wine or the water. The bottle would never be put in the fire, but it would be hanging there. And if there was a thick, dense cloud of smoke that would linger, and the bottle was hanging there in that smoke for too long, it could potentially be ruined. A bottle in the smoke. That's the figure. And now the psalmist compares himself to a bottle in the smoke. He says, for I am become like a bottle in the smoke. And the psalmist is referring to his suffering soul. His inner spiritual soul life. He says in verse 81, my soul fainteth for thy salvation. He says in verse 82, mine eyes fail for thy word. And he's not talking about his physical eyesight but the spiritual sight of faith. He's speaking again of his inner spiritual soul life. So that when we read in the text, verse 83, for I am become like one of those bottles hanging in the smoke. He's not talking about his external physical body as if he's being burnt by the sun or the like. He's speaking of his soul. He has a soul. And he's been regenerated by the Spirit of God so that he has life in his soul and he has saving faith in his soul and all of the operations of the Spirit in his soul so that his soul is not filled with wine or water, but his soul, as it were, is moist and strong with all of the movements and the energies of the spiritual life that is wrought by the Holy Spirit so that in his soul there's confidence and hope and joy and peace and pleasure in the God of His salvation. And when that soul is moist and strong by the Spirit, He loves His life. You can see it in the man. He loves His life. He abounds in the work of the Lord. He rejoices in His God. He delights in His brethren. His confessions are so lively. His prayers, almost effortlessly, they soar up into the highest heights of heaven. His mental state is so strong as he thinks about those things that are just and lovely and true and virtuous and praiseworthy and of a good report. He's like a bottle. A good, strong, moist bottle. The smoke is suffering. Specifically, harassment, persecution. Verse 84, How many are the days of thy servant? When wilt thou execute judgment on them that persecute me? 85, The proud have digged pits for me which are not after thy law. 86, all thy commandments are faithful. They persecute me wrongfully. Help thou me. 87, they had almost consumed me upon earth, but I forsook not thy precepts. The psalmist had been living a blameless life. But there were evil men, probably right within Israel, who hated him, They harassed him. They persecuted him. They set up pits for him. They tried to trap him in his words. And their persecution was relentless. It wasn't occasional. It wasn't for a little while. But it lingered. So that he cries out in verse 84, How many are the days of thy servant? And all this persecution against him, this relentless persecution, was like a thick, 
dense cloud of smoke that was lingering and it was having effect upon his soul. So that he, he says in verse 81, my soul fainteth. And he says in verse 82, mine eyes fail for thy word. And now he says in the text, for I am become like a bottle in the smoke. He wasn't in the fire as it were, so that his soul, his faith was being consumed and destroyed. He was in the lingering cloud of smoke that was persecution. And when that persecution first came, it, it had a good effect like the tanning of the leather to make it stronger. But the longer that persecution went on, though he was formerly like a moist, strong, goatskin bottle with his inner spiritual life, it all began having an effect upon him and his soul. And it started drying him out and chapping him and blackening him in his soul so that he now laments, I am become like a bottle in the smoke, that moisture of confidence and hope and joy and peace and pleasure all beginning to dry out like a bottle in the smoke. And the same thing happens still today. You think of a young woman graduated from high school not that long ago, she has a job that she loves. She loves to go to work. Nice clerical position for some prominent company. She works in an office, maybe right downtown Grand Rapids. Loves her job. But she works alongside some female co-workers and they're nasty. They're so cruel to her. And they whisper about her and they ridicule her every Monday morning. They kind of huddle together and they look at pictures they took over the weekend from their parties and their drinking and their sexual escapades. And she won't have anything to do with it. They know she goes to church on the Sabbath. They watch her as she prays before every meal. She doesn't dress immodestly and suggestively like they do. They know she's recently been dating a young man and how they've set out boundaries for their relationship and appropriate behavior before God. Several times she's asked them to stop cursing and swearing. Very politely, very kindly. And it just keeps intensifying their cruelty toward her. Their ridiculing of her. Finally, she talks to management. But nothing seems to happen about it. And this goes on and on for months and months. And you'll find her sitting in church on Sunday and everything looks just fine. But she's really not hearing and receiving because all she can think about, and it makes her so uneasy and unsettled, she's a mess in the pew. You can't see it. She's a mess because all she can think about is going back into that toxic environment Monday morning and she has to face them yet again. And now the hard decision, maybe she has to quit her job because this is all this persecution is having such an effect upon her soul that that confidence and hope and peace and joy and patience are beginning to dry out. And she says, I am become like a bottle in the smoke. 
Sometimes the child of God spends his days on his bed of affliction, writhing in pain, constant, nagging, chronic pain, not even able to perform the basic functions of a human being. And the goal of the day is just to get through another day. That's it. Constant pain. There are no joyful confessions on that bed of affliction. There are no lofty prayers soaring into the heights of heaven. There's no excitement and eagerness for tomorrow. There's no joyful communication with the saints. But the poor brother, the poor sister lies writhing in pain day after day. And though at first that little bit of pain was a good instrument of God to to strengthen the faith within as that pain lingers for month after month after month after month and there's no relief, then you can see in his soul he he begins to dry up and you can hear him say, I am become like a bottle in the smoke. There are all kinds of sufferings and and griefs of the children of God. You think of the grief of the loss of a loved one. And not only the initial, the initial pain and grief, because no matter how much you can see death and anticipate its coming, you all know this from experience, there really is nothing to prepare you for the absolute finality and the separation of death. And then when it comes as a shocking tragedy that no one saw coming, that grief, but not that only, especially that lingering grief, that feeling of emptiness, that thick cloud of smoke, the smoke of grief, and then it can begin to dry up the believer's soul. There are all kinds of sufferings and adversities. Some children of God still haunted by the horrors that were perpetrated against them even years ago in wicked, wicked behavior, cruelty. All kinds of adversity. And that was the experience of the psalmist specifically in persecution so that he laments my soul was not always a suffering soul. And now it's hard to find pleasure even in eating and drinking and fellowshipping and laughing with God's people. God, my God, Thou art with me, right, God? Or is Thy mercy clean gone? Have Thy promises failed? Art Thou gracious no more? God, Where is God in all of this persecution and oppression? Well, He is my God. And He will comfort me. But the psalmist says in verse 82, When wilt thou comfort me? For, verse 83, I am become like a bottle in the smoke. The suffering soul. Beloved people of God, our God will never break the bruised reed and He will never quench the smoking flax. And our merciful God will never allow one of His children with their dried out, parched, blackened, 
suffering soul to lose their spiritual life and become completely blackened and cracked so that they must be cast away. God always preserves the life that He puts in His children. And the psalmist acknowledges that to be true for him personally in the second half of the text when he states, Yet do I not forget thy statutes. Just a little bit left. Just a little bit of moisture left in his soul. And it's this moisture, that faithful remembrance, yet do I not forget thy statutes. And the psalmist deliberately puts that in the negative. He doesn't say, yet do I remember, but he says, yet do I not forget, because he almost forgot. And because the devil is working him over to get him to forget. And because it sure seemed like he had forgotten. But no, he says, yet do I not forget thy statutes. God preserves even in the most grievously afflicted, exhausted, miserable, persecuted, sorrowful believer the faithful remembrance of His statutes. Statutes. This is one of the synonyms in Psalm 119 for the Word of God. Psalm 119 extols the Word of God. Its content, its characteristics, all its manifold blessings. And so you find reference to the Word all throughout the psalm. Verse 81, I hope in thy Word. Verse 82, mine eyes fail for thy Word. But not only Word, all throughout the psalm we find synonyms for Word like commandments, judgments, law, precepts, testimonies, way, or here, statutes. The Word of God is the Word of the covenant Jehovah through Moses to His people Israel. The Word of the covenant. Written down as Scripture, the first five books of the Bible. The Word of God. It's celebrated in this lengthy psalm. Many different synonyms for it are used. And now in this text, we have the word statute. Statute literally means something due. And it refers to the decree of a sovereign king who expresses what the people of his kingdom owe me. A statute. And that emphasizes the binding authority and the permanence of the king's command. He issued a statute. Now if a mother happens to say one morning, son... Before you sit down for breakfast, I would like you to go outside and feed all of our goats. Well, he ought to do that. That's the word of his mother. But that's not a statute. However, if from the top of the hill over there and from the palace where the king lives, the sovereign king issues a command and he writes it down and he seals it with his authoritative seal, And he announces it to all of the subjects of his realm, all boys in my kingdom, before they sit down for breakfast in the morning, they must feed their family goats. That's a statute issued by the king. That's what is due. When the psalmist speaks of statutes, he's referring to the Word of God. 
But now that Word of God can be looked at from many different perspectives. And the word statute looks at the Word of God from the point of view of its binding authority and the permanence of its commands. So that the statutes are fundamentally those ten words that were written down on stone. They were read this morning as the Ten Commandments. Statutes. All Jehovah's statutes. And of all of them, there's one. There's one primary statute. One statute as the great statute of the Sovereign. And it's first, have no other gods before me. And everything else flows out of that great statute. The positive of which is, I am the Creator God of heaven and earth. And I am Jehovah, who in My everlasting mercy and the promised Messiah, the seed of the woman, have brought you out of the land of Egypt. I have given you all that you have. Have Me. Love Me. Serve Me. Adore Me. Submit to Me. And worship Me as the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 6 begins with verse 1. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you and so on. Then you keep reading in Deuteronomy 6 and you get to verse 7. And Moses says, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house. And you know the rest. But then between verse 1 and verse 7 and following, 1. One statute explicitly mentioned. Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. That's the statute. The great statute of the sovereign King of the universe, Jehovah God. That's the authoritative, the binding, the permanent, the unchangeable Word of God for all of the subjects of His kingdom. Have Me and love Me with all your heart. And then every statute flows out of that one. Statutes. And now the psalmist says, yet I do not forget thy statutes. And he does not mean merely that way in the back of his mind somewhere, he could retrieve the words of God's statutes so that if you would quiz him, he would be able to give you the words of God's statutes. He means that he does not forget to love them because he does not forget to love God Himself. And so now in the text, the psalmist is saying, when my soul is overwhelmed because of these wicked men who cease not to persecute me without a cause, and when my soul fails, and when my eyes faint and fail, and when I'm all dried out spiritually and weak like a bottle in the smoke, yet, yet, there. There's something still in my soul. The beleaguered believer says that when I'm in the depths of sorrow and when I'm weeping in inconsolable grief week after week and when I'm crawling my way through life 
because of the unbearable pain and I need morphine to be able to do it. And when I'm so full of anguish because of the adversities of my life, when I can no longer sit down and open up the Bible and concentrate and meditate, and when I can no longer carefully formulate a prayer, and when I no longer find any excitement to be with the children of God, and when sometimes I know it's wrong, I know it's wrong, and I have a guilty conscience because of it, when sometimes I do not even want to go to church, and I feel all dried out spiritually within, my moisture turned into the drought of summer, yet there's something There's something in my soul. I do not forget thy statutes. I do not keep them as I ought. And that grieves me more than anything else, more than anything that any cruel man may do unto me. I do not keep them as I ought, O wretched man, O wretched woman, that I am. But I do not forget them. And if in my greatest agony someone should come to me with two tables of stone on which are the statutes of God and a heavy sledgehammer and say unto me, you know God has forgotten you and you know God hates you, And I know you hate him too. Here, smash these stones to smithereens. I say, no, no. When the child of God is in the hospital room, way in the back of the room, whether here in the States or somewhere in the world, and he's writhing in pain, utter anguish, You can hear him groaning and howling all the way down the hallway. And here comes a Roman Catholic priest or a Muslim chaplain. And the Muslim chaplain walks into the room and he peers behind the curtain and he says, I hear you. May I please sit down beside your bed and read with you out of the Quran and say a prayer in the name of Allah. That believer in his agony says, No, no. And when he's in his deepest anguish, rolling in the dust, and his spouse stands above him and looks down at him, pitiful creature of the dust that he is, groaning and howling, Why? Don't you just curse God, damn Him, and die. No. No. And when he's old and gray, and he has nothing left, and from the crown of his head to the sole of his foot, everywhere in his body are infirmities, And his soul is quivering. And there he lies on his bed. The old, old saint with all of his family around. 
his children and grandchildren, in his great agony. And he hears his children and grandchildren talking in the other room about their desire to abolish the Sabbath. Though he will not be able to say anything else, you will hear him groaning, No! No! For I am become like a bottle in the smoke, yet do I not forget thy statutes. Thy statutes. All thy statutes. Isn't that astounding? God promises in the new covenant that by the Holy Spirit He will write His statutes upon the table of the regenerated heart. And no one and nothing can erase those statutes from the believer's heart. You know what's even more astonishing? This is the Old Covenant. And in the Old Covenant, there was a believing psalmist who said, I am become like a bottle in the smoke, yet do I not forget thy statutes. You know what's even more astonishing? There's something deeper and there's something stronger and there's something eternal. And now you must go outside of that suffering soul and into the highest heights of heaven to see Jehovah God, the God of everlasting mercy and the God who made a promise and for whom that promise is like a decree so that He binds Himself to that promise and He will never go back on His Word. And as the God of the covenant promise, He says, for the Messiah's sake, I love you and I will preserve you to the uttermost and safely hold your soul in life. And I do that for the Messiah's sake. You want to see a suffering soul? Then go to, the, go to Calvary. Where have you ever seen a soul like that soul hanging from that accursed tree so darkened and so parched, oh, so parched was that soul. And you want to see a thick, dense cloud of smoke? There is no smoke like the smoke of Calvary. And the cry, I am become like a bottle in the smoke when our Lord and Savior cried, I thirst. His moisture within was drying up. He wasn't singing joyfully on that cross. He wasn't uttering these lofty prayers that were sailing into the heights of heaven. He was no longer abounding in His work of preaching and healing. His soul was being blackened in the lingering cloud of the smoke of God's just fury. For from the nostrils, as it were, of the sovereign king and judge was breathed all of the smoke of his wrath against the Messiah as the substitute, the head of all of the elect who is bearing all of our guilt 
for all of our breaking of God's statutes. And during those three hours of darkness especially, the suffering was so intense and it wasn't even merely smoke, but it was fire. The fire of God's wrath that would consume any one of us in an instant so that He was not only smoked, He was burned. And in that very burning from the cross, He said, yet do I not forget Thy statutes. And the one great statute is love Me. My Son, Jesus Christ, love Me with all Your heart and mind and soul and strength. And love Me by pouring out Your soul as an offering for the sin of My people. And Jesus so loved His God and that statute of His God that He kept that statute in the flames of the divine wrath. And though He was burned, His soul was not consumed because by the power of His Godhead, that's why He's the Savior and you are not. By the power of His Godhead, He sustained in His body and soul that infinite burden of the wrath of God and He bore it all away and He obtained everlasting life and righteousness for all those for whom He suffered so that it is for Jesus' sake that God faithfully remembers us, always remembers us, even in the worst of our suffering when we're being smoked, He remembers us. When our soul faints for His salvation, He will bring salvation. When our eyes long for the comfort of His Word, He will bring the comfort of His Word. When our soul cries and has nothing left to cry, but quicken me after Thy loving kindness, He will quicken us and He will see to it that we do not forget His statutes because He is the God who faithfully remembers us in Jesus Christ. For I am become like a bottle in the smoke. Yet do I not forget thy statutes. Is this personal confession of the psalmist yours today? If it is not, and this is not the condition of your life, again, give thanks to God for His mercy. If it is, do not think you are alone. You see, others have felt this way too, including the psalmist. And who was the psalmist who made this personal confession? Well, it may have been David. And David was a husband, a father, a king, an office bearer, a leader. You see, sometimes in the church, those who feel like the psalmist are the fathers or the mothers or the office bearers. Likely the psalmist was a young man. Verse 9, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? Young men are the picture of strength. But Isaiah 40 verse 30 says, Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men 
shall utterly fall. Not every young man is what he appears to be on the outside. Even some young men in the strength of youth are like a bottle in the smoke. The psalmist was. Do not be ashamed or afraid to confess it. He did. Say to God, my God, I am like a bottle in the smoke. Say to helpers around you, I can't go on. I'm like a bottle in the smoke. The psalmist wasn't always this way, for he says, I am become. Formerly I was strong. Now I am become like a bottle in the smoke. He won't always be this way. Because God will hear him and quicken him and he will be able to say, I formerly was like a bottle in the smoke, but today, this is who he is and this is what he says. I am like a bottle in the smoke. That's not a complaint. That's the truth. I am like a bottle in the smoke. Say it. And say this. Yet do I not forget God's statutes because He does not forget me. He does not forget me. Do you know what we would probably do if we had a bottle and it was too long in the smoke and parched and dried out and cracked and would you trust it? Put wine and water in it? We would throw it away. Probably put it right in the fire and burn it. God will never cast away any of his bottles. Once a bottle, always his bottle. Vessel of praise. And no matter how darkened and weakened you become, he will quicken you. He will give you comfort and hope in believing. And fill you again with his praise. Because you are. Now. And eternally. His vessel. Of praise. He will quicken you. He will. Quicken you. He. Will. Quicken you. For Jesus sake. Amen. Father, that work which Thou hast begun, continue and perfect until the day of Jesus Christ. For His sake. Amen.